What up, my let's keep it real people? Okay, you're the best. You're the best humans. My guests are incredible humans. But I just have to say thank you for supporting me, sending me so many awesome clients and workshops and getting me indoors for keynotes. So much gratitude. Peace, love, and joy coming out to you, baby. All right, this is a big one. Everybody is going to want to listen to this podcast and send it out to every single person they know. Is there anyone that you know that doesn't want to become a more effective communicator? I know I've been at this a long time and I still think, what the heck did I say? And why did I say that? (laughs) And the people who love me will say, yeah, that was very entertaining, but we couldn't follow you. We all can work on our communication skills. And our next guest is going to help us with that, baby. He's the best. Enjoy. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Okay, you've been bugging me. You've been bugging me, but I had to find the right person. You want to up your communication skills. No matter what walk of life you're in, Everybody, everybody I know wants to become a better communicator. So before I bring on Brendan, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executive and entrepreneurs to become what top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel, which I watched. It was really cool called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone around the world. Welcome, Brendan. How are you? Very good, Sandy. How are you? I'm awesome. All right, let's start out with my top thing. What part of the world are you coming from? I'm based in Montreal. So my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka, country south of India in the early 90s, but I've been born, born raised, and lived in, in Montreal, Canada for my whole life. It's so funny. It's like coming in waves for me, Brendan. I've had guest after guest, and you know, Canada's big, but still in all, everyone's like, yeah, I'm from Canada, I'm from Canada, I'm from Canada. <laughs> so do you like it there? You plan on staying oh, yeah. there a while? My, minus the cold, life is life is beautiful. So usually what I do to fix this is during the winter, I just come to LA or Florida and I just spend time there. <laughs> oh, there you go. That works out. All right, Brendan. So I ask all my guests one word. One word to best describe your past 30 days, what word would it be and why? I would say for me, joy. I went to a lot ah. of dance parties this month. It was super fun. Really felt a lot of joy, just enjoying life for what it is. I think most of us, we count our happiness with the money in our bank account. We count happiness by the things that we buy instead of counting happiness for what, what it truly means, which is doing something we truly enjoy in the presence of people we enjoy being with. Okay, so let's back up. First of all, knowing that joy is my word because it's my middle name and I love to dance. Tell me more about the dance parties. What are dance parties for you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's this conference I go to every year called Summit of Greatness. It's in the middle of nowhere in Columbus, Ohio, and it's hosted by a guy named Lewis Howes, who's the host of the School of Greatness podcast. 
And the parties at this conference are absolutely wild, Sandy. It's super fun. You're you're dancing practically every night. You're meeting such incredible people, super positive, generous people. And mm. and it's just it just refills your cup in a way that I don't think really anything else can. So I go every year just to refill my cup and meet some incredible people. How many people are there? Usually a thousand. Oh wow. This is a big gig. <laughs> and it goes for how long? It goes for three days, three to four days. Okay. All right. Now, let's get into the nitty gritty. Is it all kinds of dancing or is it specific kinds of dancing? Definitely all kinds of dancing. So you got to – I'm pretty wild on the dance floor, so I'm just wacky. I'm not really good at <laughs> dancing. I'm just crazy. So there's ah. that. So some people are more better like at break dancing. Everyone's got their thing, but super fun indeed. All right, so give us the details one more time because this is so something I want to promote or I would want to go to myself. Tell me it again. Yeah, for sure. It's called Summit of Greatness. It's oh, in the middle Summit of nowhere. Summit of Greatness. Yeah, it's in Columbus, Ohio, of all places in the U.S. I've never been to Ohio. I didn't know there was anything in Ohio. No, that's me not, too. That's, yeah. I never had any plans of going to Ohio until I realized the conference was in Ohio. So I said, okay, let's go. But that's what makes that event so special sandy because because it's in ohio if yeah. you're going there you're not going there to see the beaches you're really going there to be president to meet other people versus yeah. if the event was in florida well you don't really need to talk to the people at the conference because you want to go to the beach after you want to go sightseeing after but you don't got none of that in ohio so you're really just there to talk to other people and i think that's what makes it so powerful you know, here I am. I, I always think, okay, what else could I learn new? And I, who was a dance major, teach dance, and I don't know about this summit of greatness where they dance every night. Like, how can I, you know, that's just, I love that I'm finding out something new. And I love the name, Summit of Greatness. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Big thing, people. Big thing. Okay. So, I was reading your bio. And I know you really, really are adamant about making sure that all this information is available for free to people. What started that? What started you on this path of, I not only want to up my game with communication, but I want to make sure everyone has this available. 100% Sandy. So it all started in college. I went to business school and I started doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing rugby or basketball or baseball. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. But the goal was never to be an entrepreneur or a YouTuber or democratize all the information for the world. I just wanted a great job out of university. And what these case competitions do, Sandy, is they give us an opportunity to pitch ourselves to potential employers. So almost anybody who does case competitions walks away with a few job offers, not one, but a few job offers out of university. And that was the, the story. But what happened is a few years later, I started coaching a lot of the students who are in those programs, not because I was a coach or anything, because yeah. I was doing it for free, but because... The alternative they had was a rock, so they went with me. And that experience gave me the idea for Master Talk, the YouTube channel, the rest is history. Okay, so I need to know more about what goes on in case competitions. I love it. You know, very few people ask me that follow-up question, so I'm glad you did. All right, so here's the best way of understanding this. 
Think of it like this. You know how in sports, let's say you want to get drafted to the NBA, like the basketball league or the MLB, the baseball league or the NFL, the football league. Usually what happens, the best way to go there is you go to a division one university, you play sports at that university and talent scouts find you and draft you into the sports league. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Yes. Right. So that analogy is the same thing with case competitions. It's just a lot less competitive. So for example, let's say a company like IBM or Amazon or Deloitte, they'll shell out tens of thousands of dollars to sponsor one of these competitions. Their executives would show up, give every 20, 21-year-old student in the room a 20-page document outlining a problem that's happening right now in Ooh. the business. And every student, teams of student, need to come up with a solution, create slides, make financial statements, come up with risks, do an analysis, find a solution, and present all of it back to the executives of the company with no practice time. So it's pretty wild. <gasps> I love it. Yeah, it's that sounds crazy. so fun. Like, oh my God, my <laughs> adrenaline is already rushing. Okay. So when you say no practice time, you're just going right into it. Exactly. The average case competition has only three hours. So the three-hour case means you and a team of two to three other people. You get thrown into a room, you get thrown a case, and it's 20 pages. So just reading that alone will take 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, and then yeah. after you read it, and you're not allowed internet as well, which is even more crazier, then you have to come up with slides, create a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of the three hours, they escort you right away to the judges, and you have to practice and present right away. So you don't really have time. <gasps> to present yeah. and practice your presentation. And the reason we all did them was because we knew that if we did enough case competition, that's how I got my job at IBM. I worked there for a few years as a consultant, completely changed my financial situation in life. But that's really the game and all of us participated and I just got really good at communication through those competitions. And I accidentally became one of the youngest communication coaches on earth because by the time I was 21, 22, I'd coached like 70, 75 of these people. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. I would have loved that. Now, wait, do they still, ha do they have that going on all over? Like, or is it just specific colleges? Because I've never heard of that before. Correct. It's a very great question, Sandy. It's a very niche type of environment. So I'll give you a couple of examples, but it's mostly for business faculties. Gotcha. So even if you went to a specific university, if you didn't go to business school, you would never find out about these. Let me give you yeah. an example. University of Florida is a big case competition school in the US. The University of Pennsylvania is a big one as well. Georgetown University as well as a big one. And there's a few Canadian ones and a couple of international ones too. I'm so excited because I live uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So anyone I know whose kid wants to go for that, I'm like, go to University of Pennsylvania. It'll be <laughs> so much fun. All right. So big question that I got over and over again from my peeps for you is what are the top three characteristics you think is needed to be a successful communicator? Top three characteristics to be a top speaker. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. I'll spin it a bit differently. Okay. I would say, what are the top three exercises that people can do to make themselves top-level communicators? And if people do this, they'll definitely be in that top quartile because I've never met somebody in my life prior to talking to me that have done all three at, in a way that's consistent. So let's tackle all three of them. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Number one. Yeah, I really hyped this up. So number one. <laughs> I got my papers out. Wait, I'm taking notes, dictating. All right, go. 
There you go. So number one is the random word exercise, Sandy. Pick a random word like trophy, like master, like talk, like earbud, and create random presentations out of thin air. And the reason this exercise is so effective is because it helps you think quickly on your feet. And what I always tell my clients all the time is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So if you just do this a few times a day, pick a random word, give a random presentation, you'll be a lot more effective at dealing yeah. with uncertainty and it'll be a lot easier for you to master your communication skills moving forward. So that's number one. Oh, I love that. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I, a I'm not sure. that's a good one. That's a good okay. one. It's like improv to me. So I like it. There you go. Which brings us to number two. Number two is called the question drill, Sandy. We get asked questions all the time in our life. At work, at school, in the boardroom, on a podcast, by your family. We get bombarded all the time with questions. But most of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. So we wait for the question to appear and we go, uh... For example, a few years ago when I started guesting on podcasts, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember some guy asked me the funniest question. He said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, uh, London, Los Angeles, San Diego? I'm not really sure. That was so funny, actually. Yes, so I kind of messed that one up. So instead of not screwing up my other interviews, I was a little bit more proactive moving forward, which means every single day for five minutes, Sandy, that's all I'm asking for here. For five minutes, I would write down on a piece of paper the answer to one question I thought the world was going to ask me about my expertise. But if you do that once a day for a year, you'll just with five minutes a day, you'll have answered, Sandy, 300 and 65 questions about your expertise. You'll be absolutely unstoppable. No one's going to be able to beat you in your industry. And that's number two. Okay. All right. You're right. I've never done both those things. So let's go to number three. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're still pretty good, so it's fine. It's just to your point, how do you become a top speaker? Number yeah. three yeah. Yeah. is so simple, Sandy, that nobody does it. All it is is make a list of the 10 people you love the most in your life, the people who are the most open-minded, the people who support you. They could be clients, friends, family. Yeah. And ask ourselves a simple question. When was the last time we sent any of these people a 30-second, a 20-second, not a 20-minute, yeah. but a 20-second video message just to say how grateful we are for having mm-hmm. them in our life. And the reason this is such a powerful exercise, Sandy, is it because it teaches us a valuable lesson about what communication is for. A lot of us think communication is a chore. Oh my God, like I got to do this presentation stuff. Oh my God. Versus seeing it as a tool for impact, which is exactly what it's for. And when we start to get those replies from our family saying, wow, this video message means so much to me, then and only then we'll start to take it more seriously. Okay. So I love the fact that I have things that I can work on that I haven't done before because I always love seeking knowledge and improving my game. And the last one, I thought, okay, I got this one. I got this one because I constantly, just so you know, I don't do videos. So now I have to, I'm going to try the videos, but I will call you if I know you, Brandon, and randomly sing a goofy song and tell you how (laughs) awesome you are. Like it could be just Tweedledee, Tweedledum, I'm thinking of you today. And (laughs) nothing, nothing rhymes. And my friends know me for this. Or I do something that I think a lot of people don't do. I send cards like five a week telling people I'm thinking of them, like in the mail. 
in wow. the mail. Yeah, but I've never tried the video. So that'll be a really cool thing. You know what's really funny? I'm so glad you said this because I just had a conversation with this wonderful man. I'm sure he's wonderful, but he didn't want to come on. And by the way, let me start out by saying I really want him on my podcast, but he wouldn't come on unless he sent me the questions ahead of time. And I was only allowed to ask those questions. And I said, that's great. And that's awesome. But that's not my podcast. Like I want it to be authentic and real. And I promise you, if you really don't think you're presenting well, I'll edit you out. But I don't want the same interview over and over again that you've given everyone else. Well, (laughs) he didn't he didn't want to come on, Brendan. He didn't want to come on. And I'm thinking he must know he, you know, he's that. And he's so good. Like if you, if I told you this person, you go, oh my God. But he wanted to know exactly what was coming next. So is there something to be said about that? Because it made me uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't do it. <laughs> Here, here's what I would say, Sandy. This is why, you know, it goes back to your first question. What are the top three characteristics that make exceptional speakers? The person you're mentioning is probably a good speaker, might even be a great speaker, but they'll never be exceptional if they don't deal with uncertainty. And that's what the best communicators in the industry have, is that Mm -hmm. they don't just embrace chaos, they thrive off of chaos. So, for example, somebody like me, I always say this to every host when I do interviews, I'm the most easygoing person in the world. You can ask me anything. So notice I didn't flinch when you asked me about my dance parties. Like, I just do it. I just go with the question. Because... I've trained myself in a way where chaos is my friend. Chaos is not my enemy. And for somebody that you mentioned, if chaos is his enemy, he'll be great, but he'll never be top 1% caliber. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense because he he is awesome. You just – usually you want to have – a different interview and you and people love so many podcasts are out there they love when you're having a real conversation and they don't care if it's perfect they don't care if it's perfect all right let's go into the next one because you've been talking about it who are your peeps who are your like top three top five peeps that are your go-to people that you like you said about you know 10 people but people that you surround yourself that oh man as far as your industry goes you know, these people really helped me get to where I am now. Absolutely happy to answer that one, Sandy. A lot of them, you probably won't know any of them, but I'm happy to talk about them. One of them is my business partner, Vamsi Pali Metla, who's around 20 years older than me. He's the one who helped me turn talk into a business. Because before I met him, Massachusetts was just a stupid idea, to be quite frank. I was just making videos in my mom's basement. And yeah. I was chilling. Like, I wasn't thinking about this to be a business. Not because I, I, I didn't want the money. It's because I was already making money. I was doing really well at IBM financially. So I wasn't looking to go full-time on this and democratizing all this information. But he's the one who said, like, okay, Brendan, let's say I gave you $10 million right now. Would you still keep working your corporate job? And I said, no. And he said, well, what would you do instead? And that's what really opened my, my mind ah. to the idea that time is way more valuable than money. Because your 20s, you can never get that back. And I felt that was super powerful. So every time I was in a meeting at IBM, after he planted that seed, I just kept saying, like, I love this job. I love the company. You know, they're a client now. I'm super grateful. But I asked myself, like, what could I do with this hour? Instead of working on technology implementations, can't I use that hour and do an interview with Sandy? Doesn't that make more sense? Isn't that a better use of my time? So I changed priorities, cut my salary by 70% and, and took a leap. And fortunately for me, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's your top guy. Who else? <laughs> that's my top guy for sure. I would say my second one is a guy named Billy Samoa Salibi. He's the founder of Podify. It's a podcast production company he started. He has a lot of super high tier clients, but more so than that, the guy's just a really good friend. He's one thing, actually, to make this more a principle, I'm happy to go through all five, but but I think what would be useful as well is understanding why they are my top five. I think yes. that would be useful for people. Yeah. So there's something I teach my clients, Andy, that people can copy-paste, which is being intentional about the person you want to manifest in your life. So all of the people who are in my top five to ten all share a few traits and comments. Let's go through them because these are the traits that work for me. But the people who are listening to this, you should find your own traits so it's easy for you to evaluate if someone should be on your advisory board. The first one is they're all tough cookies. None of my top five are, are easy. Like they'll run me through a wall every single day of the week. <laughs> they're, they're not fun. They're not nice. They're <laughs> aggressive. They treat me like I'm shit, and I love it. So that's one. Well, I've never heard that before. Go for it. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's one. The second one is all of my top people are idea generators. So idea generators means, how I define it, is they, they've at least given me one idea that's made me either a significant amount of money or a significant amount of impact or, or views on a social media platform. And all of them are idea generators. All of them have given me spectacular ideas that have really uplifted my life in any area of life. So that's the second piece. This, the third quality that all of them have is that they're generous to the point that I I'm worried about their health. Like there's too generous. Like to the Aww. point that I'm like, no, you got to stop being generous. You're gonna die. So that's <laughs> that's what all of the people uh, that are in my top people have in have in common. So whether it's Vomsi, whether it's Billy Samo, who who used to report two levels under Elon when he worked at Tesla as a SVP there, whether it's Sam Kamani, the host of the Web3 podcast, whether it's David Bryan, or whether it's Dio Bellini, who has a consulting firm mm. in Brazil, all five of those people really share those traits, where if I need them for anything, they'll always jump at the chance to to not just challenge my beliefs and make sure that I achieve the potential that I'm looking to get out of life, but also hold me to that standard. And I'm super appreciative of all of them. You know, I'm glad you switched it up, Brendan, because you're right. When I get that question over and over again for you specifically, and it was mostly for my young people, really, that's what they want to know. You know, they want to know what are the qualities they should look for. And maybe for some, I you call it tough, you know, tough cookies. I call them, you know, my tough lovers. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that, that works too. Yeah, they, it's the straight up. They're not going to sugar, you know, no Weston, that sucked today. But yeah, I know they love me and they're doing it because the most important thing is they want to see me shine bright beyond. And I'm sure all of your top five do too. 1000%. I just like chocolate chip cookies a lot, so I, I replaced it with cookies. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Biggest fear. What is your biggest fear in business if you have one? And how do you combat it? And how do you reset to move forward? For sure. I would say my biggest fear in business by far is running out of money. I didn't grow up with a lot. My parents were factory workers make, making minimum wage salary, Sandy. So I had a lot of scarcity and lack of money mindset growing up as a kid. So it was really shocking when I started making a lot of money or just enough to you know do well for myself. Yeah. And, and I would say for me, even today, even when my business is doing just fine, I never have to go back to corporate again. That fear of running out of money is always something that chases me. And it's something I work, at, I work with, you know, with the money mindset tips that I get from different coaches. 
It's definitely gotten a lot better over the years. I would say that's my biggest my biggest fear. I would say outside of business though, which I think you might find fascinating. Uh the biggest fear is definitely that I won't that I won't find the person that I'm supposed to marry and have kids with. I feel uh. relationships are a really difficult thing to master. Not saying it's impossible, but uh that's probably my biggest fear because I don't want to be 35, a multimillionaire, have millions of subscribers on my YouTube channel, not have kids because I think that would lead to an incomplete life. So yeah. those are the two things. Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing the second one. But I just got this really strong feeling that it's there's somebody out there like special for you that is going to like blow you away. You're going to have just such a wonderful time and lots of kids. Maybe not <laughs> lots. But yeah, few. we'll see. We'll see for lots. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out. But, no, that, but you, that's that's probably what you won't point. figure it out, Brendan. It's just going to hit you when you don't expect it. You know how <laughs> like, it works. Like a tough cookie, just <laughs> like like a tough cookie. Someone's going to throw okay. a chocolate chip cookie at me and say, "What?" <laughs> chocolate chip. Okay, so let's go back. Then you talked. You mentioned a little bit about your parents. Tell it. You know about what it was like growing up. Like start from like around the age of ten. Mm, age of 10. I would say, you know, for me, I got really, really lucky with my mom and my sister. They're incredible human beings. I still live with them to this day. And they're super generous. I would say that's the big thing. My dad was wow. a great guy too, but he struggled a lot with alcoholism. So we didn't really get along mm. that much for, I would say, you know, from the from the age of 10 all the way until he passed away like three, four years ago. So that's what, that's, you know, what my upbringing was. A bit dysfunctional, but, but yeah. filled with filled with love nonetheless. And I think that's the key is like, even if we didn't have all the money in the world, we had, we had something that most families don't, which is people who, who care about you genuinely, unconditionally. And that's, that's probably the greatest gift I've, I've been given in my life. Uh, you know, I remember being a new mom and I, I didn't really have that family support growing up at all. And I was so nervous, like, oh my God, am I going to ruin this kid's life? You know what I mean? You know, new parent. And I was coming home from New York City on a train next to this woman who was a child psychologist, world renowned, and she was speaking at the University of Pennsylvania. And I was, and I noticed, like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm working on my speech. And I said, so can you give me any tips? And I was telling her I was nervous and I didn't really have any parental figures, you know, to, you know, guide me. And it changed my life, Brennan, exactly what you said. She's like, Sandy, you know, people think, oh, my God, should I nurse? Should I not nurse? Should I breastfeed? What am I going to do? Do I take pick the kid up when it's crying? Do I leave it in his bed? Do I put it in my room? She's like, the number one thing is you have one person, just one person in your life unconditionally that you know is always there and loves you. And that's what you're describing, you know? And she's like, that, that is more important than anything else you can give your child. Completely agreed. And that sounds like what you had, you know, so good for you for recognizing that. Okay, so I have some young people here. There's three of them and they're starting a new business and they quote unquote, you know, they say they're the nerd brigade at college. They're very shy. They're very introverted, but they believe they have a good concept, but not one of them, Brendan, not one of them wants to get on and speak. <laughs> at any virtual thing in front of a group on YouTube, they said we would die. So they want to know, well, the girl reached out. It's two guys and a girl. Should they bring in a fourth person who, <laughs> I like this way, who can talk? That's the big thing. Or do you think it's possible even for three really nerdy, introverted, social, backward people 
to have a skill that they can communicate well. I, I d <coughs> excuse me. I definitely believe, Sandy, that any of those three people can master communication. And the reason is because most of the people I've worked with in my career are introverts. They aren't extroverts. Oh. So the, the secret recipe here is for us to understand why introverts are actually better at communication than extroverts, which is a bit counterintuitive. So let's jump into that. One, introverts are a lot better at listening. Guess what? They don't speak that much. So it's easy for an introvert <laughs> to adapt their yeah. messaging to the core customer they're trying to pitch to. Extroverts like me, I like to yap. Yap, 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 yap. I like talking a lot. That's why I'm a good podcast guest. But I don't spend enough time listening. That's at a fault. Number two, introverts are a lot better at pausing. Pausing is the most important skill in communication, Sandy. But introverts can easily master this. Why? Because they're already comfortable in silence. They don't talk that much, once again. So it's easy <laughs> for them to pause. Yeah. My goodness, extroverts like me struggled a lot with pausing. And the reason is because every time I'm at a bar, at a party, at an event, and there's a space, I immediately want to fill it up. Like, hey, what's your favorite color? Right, so that's the, that's the problem with being an extrovert. Number three, introverts are actually a lot more accessible as communicators than extroverts are. Let's use Gary Vaynerchuk as an example. Massive social media following, CEO of VaynerMedia, really good guy. Yeah. And that guy, you either like him or you don't. I personally like Gary. I'm a big fan of his work. I think he's awesome. But there's another category of people who just hate his guts. Absolutely. But nobody says that about Brene Brown, though. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Snap. I never even thought of it. Yeah, go ahead. Right? Go ahead. So, so yeah. nobody wakes up and says, I hate Brene Brown. Because if you said that, the FBI <laughs> no. would be knocking on your door and no. arresting you. So oh what's God, the conclusion? Oh, my God. I didn't figure that. Right. Uh. So what's the conclusion, Sandy? The conclusion is super simple. There's a lot more strengths that introverts have that they aren't aware of. And the key is really to triple down on those strengths and do the three exercises we recommended at the beginning. And I guarantee one of them can figure it out. But if, if you're that scared and you can't, then yeah, find a fourth person. But I, I would say stick it out a little bit longer because I, th I think one of the three can at least figure it out. Oh, my God. So just recently, because I did want to up my keynote speaking game, I took a course. It was like a year course. I didn't know what I didn't know. Oh, my God. It was so difficult but so rewarding. And they put different speakers up there, Brendan. And when Gary V went up, you, it was like 50-50, you're right. They were like, boo! And the other one's like, yay! And boom! It was crazy like to see the reactions to people. But now you're making me think of this. They, they didn't put up Brene Brown. They should have put up Brene Brown. There you <laughs> oh go. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so... You mentioned about, you know, vividly being out there and that you're an extrovert. Do you ever feel like, okay, I should just, like you said about listing, I think you already answered this, but I'm going to let somebody else have a turn and you try to really like not say anything in a meeting because this young man was saying, I so much like talking. I so much like being out there in a meeting, but sometimes I feel like I don't give my teammates a chance to talk. And that I should just sit in a meeting and let them go. But my boss is always like, yo, Johnny, what do you have to say since no one's talking? He wants advice. Hmm. Here, here's what I would say, Sandy. It depends on the context, like what role that Johnny guy plays in the company. But I would say in general, any exceptional leader 
is the sum of every great idea in a company. Let me repeat that again. A great leader is the sum of every great idea in a company, meaning that usually the best leaders usually speak last. And the reason is because they want to hear everyone's perspective, and then they make the final decision based on everything they heard from everybody in the room.、Mm. So if I was Johnny, I would take leadership over my boss and say, "Hey, let's hear from everyone else for thirty seconds. I'd love to get your thoughts, John, Lacy, and Julia,、yeah. and how, and tell them before the meeting that I'm going to call on them too, because or else they might be shocked, a little shell shocked, because、yeah. they don't talk a lot in meetings. So just tell them, 'Hey, next meeting you're going to say X, Y, and Z.'" Love to hear from you, and then we can we can rebalance the、um, the the energy in the room. I love that. That's a that's a great one. So, Brendan, you talk a lot about becoming the top one percent communicator in your industry. One percent. I mean, that's really at the top of your game. Do you really believe that anyone that's going after that can get there? Great question, Sandy. I I do personally, but there's a couple of caveats that I want to add here. Top one percent in in industry does not mean top one percent communicator in the world. It means that let's say you're an accountant and your room you're in a room filled with a hundred accountants that you're the number one speaker in that room. That's that's how I define top one percent communicator industry. And and if we're comparing ourselves to other accountants or other technology professionals, the bar is actually a lot lower than you would think, because a lot of these guys, especially in the fields I just mentioned, don't even know a lot of the exercises that we talked about today. So just doing that consistently enough will allow you to get to that level. That's one piece, that consistency piece.、Mm. The second piece is vision. A lot of us as communicators, we have goals for our businesses, health, relationships. I have yet to meet anybody who has very, very good and specific communication goals. And if you don't have communication goals, there's no way you're going to be able to keep moving forward in your comms journey. And that's something、uh, 99% of people miss. And then I would say the third piece is really the idea of intensity and being willing to be criticized aggressively. So one thing a lot of the people in my groups who want to be top one percent, this is not like a Uh, you know, you just jump in the air and have fun. No, it's very intense. Like again,、yeah. example, like the random word exercise. Yeah, sure, I might say do it a few times a day on a podcast, but that's not how my coaching programs work. My clients have to do this a hundred times in two weeks, where I fire them, right? So it's a very different a level of intensity、Ooh. because they signed up to be a top one percent communicator, so I hold them to that standard, and that's why they pay me. Gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. If they're coming with you, you need them all in. You know, or otherwise, why spend the money? Correct. Yeah, that's why I don't work with a lot of people. I only work with people who want to be the best in the world, and everyone else, they'll have access to my free content, these podcasts, and they'll still be able to start their journey. Yeah, you know what I love you, and I saw this on one of your shows. You talked about, and I think it's so important, finding your own style. You know,、mm. not trying to mimic somebody and thinking that's the only way to be successful and to be an amazing communicator, but finding your own style. How do you help your clients do that? Right. So there's a couple of steps there, Sandy. One caveat I'll put out there is that people listening to this podcast are not booking their time to do the random word exercise, to do the question drills, to do the video messages. The whole style conversation is a waste of people's time because <laughs> if you're not going to do the easy stuff, you're not going to be able to do the hard stuff like style. So with that said, let's jump into style. So style is a bit tricky, Sandy, in the sense that you can only develop style over time, never overnight. Meaning, 
that as you speak more and more on a camera, that output helps you figure out clues and hints as to what your style should be. That's mm. one piece. The other piece is studying different types of speakers and making a list of the people that resonate with you personally and why. And that detailed analysis will really help you understand speaking style. And the third piece is how do I come up with speaking style? For me, speaking style equals a little bit of everybody where you take a little bit of what you like from a bunch of different speakers and you develop a unique style. Example, the top three speakers that I, I emulate my style personally against, even if I'm, I'm emulating probably hundreds of them, let's yeah. just do top three. Yeah. Top three, Gary Vaynerchuk, Scott Harrison, and Seth Godin. So let's go through all of them. Gary Vaynerchuk, I really like his down-to-earth aggressive personality. It's something I've tried to implement in my style. So whenever I'm on a podcast, I'm never trying to sugarcoat anything. I'm going like, this is what it needs to be, and I have the same aggression as he does because that's what I want in my style. I'm very tough love, and it works well with me. But I'm also a man of the people. If, if I'm talking to a six-year-old, a six-year-old, and they want to hang out with me, they want to talk to me, I want to be there for them. I want to be able to answer their texts, serve them. So that's what I got from Gary. Gotcha. Number two, Seth Godin. Seth Godin is so good at packaging information in such a unique way that it blows your mind. So when and what's fun about Seth is he still does that even at the age of, in his sixties. He's yep. still showing up creating content. So that's what I'm emulating from Seth, which is how do I keep pushing my thought mm. leadership until I'm dead? That's two. The third one is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison is the CEO of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit. He started to help the world gain access to clean water. The reason Scott's on my list is he's a great example of high stakes communication, where if he screws up on stage, it's not just about screwing up, people die. And the reason people die is because if he raises a million dollars instead of three million, what, what he was supposed to raise, that extra two million could have went to saving another 10,000 kids and giving them water. So all of those 10,000 people just will die because Scott doesn't perform well enough on stage. So there's a lot of high pressure for Scott to be successful. And I always bring that level of pressure with myself whenever I'm on a podcast, as if I'm, yeah. I'm speaking to Joe Rogan every single time. So when you're not performing and you're not on a podcast, is your podcast similar to this? I mean, your podcast, is your personality similar to this? Personality similar to this. I would say the personality is fairly similar. I'm just a lot less structured in the real world. So now on a podcast, because I know all the questions I'm going to get asked, because I've done the question drill so many times, <laughs> I, have a, I have a way of packaging that information that's already pre-built because I've just done so many of them. But if you caught me in the, real, in the real world, I'm not as structured as I am right now in a podcast. I would say that's the only big difference. Yeah, but with your close friends, are you more like, no, like call Brendan, he's going to tell us the real deal straight up. Are you that person? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the person that's going to say, well, let's shift it around. Let's find a solution. Let's, they know to like call Sandy when you want to put a positive spin on it, where you, you're like, no, Brent's going to give it straight up. I love that. Okay. You ready for this one? Let's do it. Dreamland. So do you have a dream that you can remember vividly that's reoccurring that you could tell us about? Like a dream, you mean at night or like a dream? Yeah, like cool? while you're sleeping, a dream. Huh. Like, do you have any reoccurring dreams that you can remember vividly that you have over and over again? Huh. That's a fascinating question. I mean, I remember a couple of dreams I have. I don't remember any of them that have been reoccurring, though, that appear again and again. 
So I would say, huh, this is probably the hardest question I've been asked, Sandy, in my life. I would say, uh... I had to throw something at you. You had 200 questions listed there. I'm like, <laughs> wait, this is a good one that I had from one of my people. I'm like, yeah, all right. Mm, this is a good one. What would I say to this? I would say one dream that comes back a lot is this girl I was madly in love with like three years ago. So I would say in that time period, those three months, she would keep reappearing in my dreams like almost every day for like 90 wow. days. So that's probably one that comes to mind. <laughs> well, you but really you... liked her, obviously. Yeah, that's I did. Yeah, yeah. See, there you have. For whoever sent me that question anonymously, you threw out something he's never been asked. So good for you. All yeah, right. It's rare where I get stumped on podcasts. Very rare. But that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay. So morning routine. Before we, you know, end the podcast, we have to find out about your morning routine. What do you do in the morning? What time do you get up? What time do you, well, first of all, what time do you go to bed first? But then what's your morning routine? <laughs> Here's what I would say to morning routine, Sandy. The the strategy, I'm happy to share mine, but I would say the strategy is simply this. You need to try everything and see what works for you. You know, a lot of people say, this is the millionaire morning routine. If you do this, you'll be successful. Not necessarily. Elon Musk wakes up at 9 a.m. every day. So there's no, like, correct way of doing this. <laughs> like, I think the key is, like, you need to <laughs> yeah. you need to figure out what works for you. Like, I'll give an example. Today, I woke up at noon. And the reason I woke up at noon is because I'm ridiculously sick from all of the dance parties I went to last week. <laughs> so <laughs> worth it, by the way. So worth yeah. it. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah. So, so because of that, like, I just slept for 15 hours so I, I could – I could barely survive on the podcast interviews I got today. And that's okay. I think I think the key is you got to try everything. Like, for example, I hate running in the morning. I hate doing exercise in the morning because it makes me really tired during the day. I hate meditation too. It just doesn't work for me. But I love listening to podcasts two hours a day. I love working out in the evening. I love eating a raw avocado after every meal because it's healthy and it's easy for me. Mm. So the key is you just got to pick what works for you and you got to slowly keep iterating it in a way that that's more that will make you successful. So that's what I would say. If I was near you, I would hug you, Brandon. I, and by the way, I did not coach him on this. My big thing is when people say to me, well, I have to do this because that's what successful people do. They get up, you know, 4.30 in the morning, then they do this and they run. And I'm like, well... I considered myself a very successful entrepreneur and I stay up late at night. I only eat one meal at for dinner that's really healthy. I exercise late at night. Sometimes I get up different times depending on what I have. Got. You know what I mean? Like I, I have my routine that works for me. Like I journal, you know, I, med I meditate, I talk to myself while I'm biking. So it doesn't fit any mold. And the fact that you said it, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay. So what's going to go on for the next year with you? What are you going to do? What do you have going on? I would say for me, Sandy, you know, I, I always start with gratitude. I never thought my life would be where it is today. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. I started <laughs> MassTruck three years ago in, on a couch, and I have a full-time successful business. I'm semi-retired at 25. 
Like, life is crazy. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Semi-retired at 25. All right, go ahead. And the the reason I say semi-retired, of course, you know, there's long hours and I do a lot of things, but I love every moment of it. So I'm super grateful. You know, I've I've achieved something in life that I think most people strive towards. So I'd say now it's the bonus round for the rest of my life, which is how do I become the next Dale Carnegie? And the reason is simply this. I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. So for me, it's about how do I make myself so successful financially that I have a lot more resources to help that girl, to help that community, mm. to help those people, and and become what my coach calls TBCCTL, which is the best communication coach that ever lived. That's my ethos. That's my vision. And I got a whole life in front of me to make it a reality. So super grateful. Ah. You're like a dream person for somebody that you're going to meet. They're going to be like so so lucky, lucky. I mean, anybody to me that is grateful for their life and want to give back, come on. That's it. All right. That's awesome. We got to end on that except for what do you do in your free time? What's your hobbies? Honestly, it's going to conferences. That's that's my Cuba. That's my Dominican Republic. I just love – the energy of meeting all these cool people, Sandy. That's what I do for fun. Other than that, really? it's karaoke in eight different languages. I dance alone in my mom's basement every day, <laughs> listening to podcasts. Wow. I spend time with my family twice a year. Besides wow. that, I don't really do much else, Sandy. Most of my time is really focused on master talk, and I think that's why I've made it this far this quickly. So, so yeah, it. I'm not really the funnest guy you'll ever meet, but I love conferences. <laughs> Wait a minute. That. Back up there. First of all, you went to a three-day dance party in Ohio, and you're saying you're not the funnest guy. Like, how many guys do you know that would do that? Come on. <laughs> that's, that's fun. That's fun. And seeking knowledge, I'm all about it. All right. So, a book that you've been reading in the last year that you can recommend. Absolutely. I'd recommend Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison, like we talked about earlier, is the CEO of Charity Water. The reason I recommend Thirst is because the guy, in my opinion, is one of the best storytellers on the planet. You know, he went from being a nightclub promoter in his 20s to literally building the largest water charity in America. He raised $100 million just last year, which is pretty mental if you think about it. So I would say he's a great case study for all of us. And there's a great quote in the book that I always love to share. And the quote is, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. Mm, I got to look this guy up, man. I love it. Okay. We got to wrap up. We have to go. But before we do, and we'll find out all your deets, anything that we didn't get in that you want to mention to the people? Anything we didn't cover? For sure, Sandy. I'll end with this question. And the question is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? How would your life change? How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? A lot of us, when we think of communication, we see it as like a chore. Oh, I don't want to do it, stress, anxiety. When was the last time we asked ourselves empowering questions around communication, that we got excited about it? Mm. And the answer for most of us is never. In the same way we get excited about the Rolex watches we want to buy, the experiences we want to go on, we don't do that with communication. So I encourage your audience to start there. Start to imagine 
how your communication skills would change because communication is so much more than getting extra sales. It's the way that you talk to your family. It's the way that you raise your children. It's the way that you make new friends when you travel. It's every moment of your life. And once you realize that communication is about leading a more fulfilling life, then you'll take it more seriously. I love that. And by the way, thank you so much for talking about the benefits of being a great communicator as an introvert. Because my son, who's uh, 19 and going to college, he's extremely an introvert. And yet, I think he is a wonderful communicator because he listens. He, and when he listens, he listens intently. And mm. when he answers you, it's like he he wants to truly think about it. And so I always tell him, like, I was like, that's a benefit as strong. I'm going to let him listen to this podcast as much as me just being able to walk in a room and, you know, talk forever to a tree. And I'm glad that you said it because he's like, you're just my mom. You have to say that. You know? So thank you, Brendan. I appreciate that. All right. Where can they find you? Tell us all about that. Absolutely, Sandy. Thanks for having me on the show. This is an absolute pleasure. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just type master talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas. And the second way to keep in touch is attending one of my free workshops. I do a free workshop on communication over Zoom every two weeks. These are not recorded webinars. They're live. They're interactive. They're fun. And I facilitate them. And they're free. So if you want to join in on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. All right. Cool beans. All right, my let's keep it real people. Come on. You definitely are going to want to share this, like it, and rate it. Brenda and I will really appreciate it. And you know what I'm going to say. Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.